Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're now tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nick. And uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the studio, and it's, it, we just worked it out, it's been like a year and a half, uh, our friend uh, Mitch Schultz from the US, the Texan elf. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, guys. Well, great welcome to be back, here. Mitch. We don't really know you, but uh, you know, for the sake of media, <laughs> you're a stranger to us now. <laughs> And uh, thanks. Thank, it's great to be back, to have you back here. You've um, you've just arrived from Austin, Texas. I have. It's and always great to be back here and look forward to a little bit of time with you guys. Yeah. Well, some stuff happening. That's a bit of a sketch before we play the first track of what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, we're going to go down the rabbit hole today. Uh, for those listening who might not know, Mitch will uh, give you a bit of background. And uh, I guess you're probably most well-known globally for being the director of the uh, documentary DMT, The Spirit Molecule. <laughs> and there's lots to talk about around that and maybe what's next. Uh, we'll chat about that as well. We'll uh, we'll get your opinion on what the hell's going on in the USA, also, which mm. could be useful. I mean, it's it's it looks really weird from here, but it's always good to get <laughs> the inside weird story. The inside too, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and um, and I think we'll just uh, chat a bit about the power of media in terms of how it seeds our imagination, and you know, I, I guess plays some role in the creation of uh, the future world, doesn't it? Indeed. And uh, and we'll also talk about our film, which we've got coming up by yes. Australian. Cinema premiere this weekend from Shock to War. From Shock to War, yes. Yeah. Which uh, Mitch is also transmedia producer for that film, so you know you've been on the inside of that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. And the role of media generally, how it's transformed and changed over over our lifetimes and a bit before. It's uh, certainly a whole new area, a whole new landscape that's emerging in uh, in the media. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Yes, uh, that's uh, the film we'll be talking about a little bit later on. It's uh, premiering this Sunday. We'll also have a double pass giveaway for that later on. Got another giveaway too. We'll come up with that very shortly. You're tuned to Future Sense here with uh, myself, Nick Jeans, and Steve McDonald, and our special guest, the Texan Elf, Mitch Schultz, back in town. He's indeed. And Mitch, I understand you were born in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that correct? <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. Sorry, Memphis, yeah, Memphis right. I, I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me there. <laughs> Memphis, of course. Yeah. Sharing yeah. space with Elvis. And, and that accounts for the Elvis Presley tattoo that you have? You have, uh, a, you have an Elvis tattoo. Have an Elvis he tattoo. hasn't left the building, clearly. He's not left the building. It's the young <laughs> Elvis. We just want to clarify that. good. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't always lived in Texas, hey? Have not. Moved there, though, roughly when I was about five years old and uh-huh. uh, spent a good chunk of my... Uh, Developmental years in Texas. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, I think you've, most of your family's here now, right? That's correct. Yep. They're in Minnesota. Uh huh. Awesome. And um, somewhere along the line, you got interested in motion pictures. I did. That uh, that happened by reading um, Jim Morrison's biography. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so it was uh, prior to Jim going into music and, and finding the door. You know, finding the doors. Yeah. Um, he was looking at getting into cinema and getting into being a filmmaker. And there's one story in there where. 
he, I saw the power of media, I guess, uh, within his, and they were asked to mm. create a short film for class and come back and uh, share it with the uh, with their classmates, and uh, they caused quite a stir, um, as you can imagine, with Jim Morrison being the provocateur that he was. Uh, and it just hit me. I was like, "This is this is where I want to go. This is I, what I want to do. I want to I want to cause a stir. I want to cause a stir, no, and not just one." Right. <laughs> uh, so that's that was the seed of, of getting into filmmaking. And yeah. how old were you when you read that? I was probably fourteen or fifteen at the time. Mm, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So then, uh, where did you study first? Did you study in Texas first? Or? Was it yeah, the University of Texas in yeah. Austin? Yeah. Uh, went to uh, studied communication theory in general, but uh, focused a lot on on film production, television production, and then uh, did my graduate work at uh, New York University and. and looked a little bit more towards the digital end of that spectrum so right yeah sort of like the the nexus of technology and motion pictures yeah right. yeah right yeah cool and you did a i think i remember you telling me once that you did an interesting sort of art installation at the airport uh, yeah, yeah as part of um, my graduate studies we um there was a few of us that um did a installation for JFK through their international terminal and developed a piece that was kind of a passive kind of sculptural piece, but also had an interactive element to where you could find out practical things about your travel. Mm. Uh, but we were also pulling in live data from the airport uh, information systems and okay. it would showcase, it would go out on the web and pull images and sounds and things related to whatever destination or whatever uh, place that plane took off from. So yeah. That's pretty cool. What, what year would that have been? When that, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I think that was 2003. That, that seems like fairly futuristic for 2003. It was pretty early, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, yeah. And just coming up with, oh, how are we going to pull this information from the airport systems? And this was after 9-11, huh? mind you, which yeah, yeah, was right. also an interesting piece of the development of that, mm. that whole whole thing of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. was how do we get in and then how do we pull this information for people that are at the airport to, mm. to take a look at so yeah yeah, yeah interesting wow and um, what happened next <laughs> <laughs> well you know during my time at NYU and actually towards the end um, I found out about dimethyltryptamine and that was kind of the, the impetus for me to start looking into DMT, the spirit molecule, although I didn't know it at the time, but um, that research led me down a path to uh, to find Dr. Strassman's work, mm -hmm. and I guess in 2007, we started started shooting that, so it was several years in there, but um, once I found out about that, it did, it left me, or it led me down a rabbit hole. And, yeah, right, uh, and <clears throat> without incriminating yourself, um, <laughs> the, was, was that something that was going around at, at NYU at the time? Like, was that a recreational thing that was happening there? It wasn't, you know, this was, it was an interesting how it all came about. My roommate at the time uh, was a Brazilian man and he was moving back home and one, di one night just called me up and said a group of us are getting together and I'd never heard about this. Um, it wasn't part of the regular thing that was going on at NYU or even at the uh, part of our program. But um, one of his friends uh, had something, and we said, "Let's try this out." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Interesting. And uh, and I, that was, I guess, a life changing experience for you. Completely life changing. You know, I, late twenties, thinking you have it all figured out. Um, <laughs> This is what I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is how I understand reality, <laughs> um, and that all changed in about ten to fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. Wow! So, so for those who don't know what DMT is or dimethyltryptamine, as you said, the full name of DMT, the spirit molecule, is the film that you you uh, are referring to that you that you helped to make that you made. Um, 
DMT is a natural occurring uh, chemical in the in the human body and uh, in, in many many plants and animals, isn't it? Just That's right, b- yeah. give a bit of a sort of sketch for those who don't know these sort of things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just <laughs> going to say, um, N-dimethyltryptamine or one of its precursors is found in almost every living thing. It right. seems mm-hmm. uh, that they're finding it more and more places, and uh, it's it seems to be throughout our body and our spinal fluid and in various organs and things. And um, of course, Dr. Rick Strassman, uh really kicked off uh, the. I, I guess the rebirth of psychedelic research didn't he in the 90s when he got permission to do his study on DMT and it was it was a really early stage psychedelic study and done in a very clinical typical hospital setting which is kind of weird from a set and setting point of view yeah. uh, and I'm sure that contributed to some of the, the strange experiences that people yeah, had during yeah. the study um, but nevertheless absolutely groundbreaking and um, and opened up you know what has become a, a psychedelic renaissance mm-hmm. which is in full flight now globally yeah and DMT was such an interesting one for me because it is found in the human body you know it's an endogenous compound that is that is part of it but it's also all over nature and potentially in every mm-hmm. living organism which yeah. was the one thing that really just caught my attention because we know that living organisms have the precursors to make DMT whether or not it's there we don't fully know but it is in a lot of different plant varieties in uh, humans mammals in general so it's it's fascinating it is fascinating and the the research uh hasn't progressed to humans yet but they've been researching mice i think Mm -hmm. and they believe that dmt is produced in the pineal gland Uh, at least they've found the the precursors there and they found dmt there in in uh animal studies Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's believed to be uh implicated in our dreaming process so uh, what we do know is that when we go into our our nighttime cycle our body produces melatonin and uh, it also produces something else called pinaline which is Mm. as it sounds is produced in the pineal gland which acts as a um, as a monoamine oxidase inhibitor and so what that means is it it stops the body from breaking down dmt so it allows dmt to accumulate during our sleeping hours which may well be why we have colorful dreams and anybody who has experienced dreams dmt um either whether dreams pure yeah or or, uh, you know an ayahuasca or something similar will know that it's like a waking dream it's like Mm. being in a dream but being awake at the same time isn't it right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean that's the, that study actually uh, began with his research into into melatonin, I believe, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it started there, mm. and, and serotonin also leading the way in some yeah. ways. Um, and and again, just this—it's a bit of a rabbit hole itself, compound. isn't it? It is, and yeah. this simple compound existing in our in our bodies as we know it and going through the blood-brain barrier, it opens up a lot of questions, and we still don't know a lot about yeah. it. Yeah, and it's you know I often think of of uh, DMT and similar psychoactive substances as kind of like the channel control on a television, mm-hmm. uh, where you're just kind of switching channels and you're tuning into something completely different, you know, and you you'll flick over the switch and turn in, tune into some wacky show. That's hard to believe, and then you know. Well, we could even you know I think there's a lot of things happening now looking at consciousness as that receiver. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not absolutely. Just the, yeah. The psychedelics that'll take you on that, but the brain being a receiver of consciousness yes. as opposed to the generator of consciousness. Well, I think I'm sure you guys have talked about it. I mean, you, you yeah. mentioned Aldous Huxley before in The Doors of Perception, where uh, the doors got their, their name from, of course, from that very famous book. And I always remember reading that book way, way back then. And that notion, as you're talking about there, that consciousness is this, or the availability of information is so vast, but the brain actually acts in normal consciousness like a funnel and just funnels just what's necessary to, you know, to, to maintain the status quo, to keep the default mode 
code network in operation and just mm-hmm. you know make sense of reality but to to uh, to open that funnel up either with psychedelics or meditation or other practices perhaps uh, allows a, a flood of other information to come through and looking back of course that seems quite naive that that metaphor now and yet at the time it was very for, for me particularly it was very opening and when i read that i went oh oh i see you know, there's, there's actually all this out there and I'm, I'm just reading, I'm just receiving, as you say, I'm channeling, I'm tuned into just a small part of that. Mm. And what, what's the rest of it? And that's sort of, for me too, in one way or the other, it's been a bit of a quest in my life too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. It's also mm. interesting to look at different substances, you know, DMT, but, but you know, all the many other psychedelics that are out there and how each of them has its own particular flavor to, to the information or the way the information is presented mm. to you, you know. Mm. Um, and yet there, there are these core elements that come through regardless of which, which channel you, you're tuning into, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, this core concept of the unity of consciousness. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, universal, isn't it? That's. And I guess that's. That's still the research that uh, that hasn't been finalised. We don't really know that rabbit hole where we're going. But the truth is that people with these kind of experiences, one way or the other, have this kind of unity consciousness experience at some time or other that right. seems to be coherent with others, other people's experiences. Not to mention uh, sort of telepathic uh, possibilities that exist in those sort of right. spaces as well. Yeah. These. Whatever cultural baggage or viewpoint mm. that you're coming from, those seem to be pretty common, which is a fascinating thing to explore. And, and particularly, you know, with DMT, it's it's there's a, the commonality of the experiences is um, something that should not be ignored. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We might um, might take a break and then come back and just talk about how you approached making that documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're on BFM 999. It's 926 here on Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, and our special guest, Mitch Schultz, the Texan elf, back from the US of A. You can also text in, as always, on our text line 043734 Comes up here on the computer. Anything you'd like to add to or comment on or bring our attention to here at BFM. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, your grokking future sense here on BayFM. It's uh, nine thirty-one here on BayFM nine nine nine. You're on Future Sense with uh, Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, and Mitch Schultz this morning. Just before we move on, uh, we have a giveaway today for the actually the most popular Australian play ever written by Ma- Michael Gow. You probably would have heard of him. It's called Away. I think that's the uh, the title uh, that was used by Radio National for the Indigenous um, Indigenous Affairs program, perhaps. But we have a double pass to give away for. Um, this Wednesday the 14th of August at 6pm down here at the Byron Theatre for the National Theatre Live. Now it's actually not a live performance but it's a f- it's a filming of a live theatre performance. So if you are a subscriber to BFM double six eight oh seven triple nine double six eight oh seven triple nine as a subscriber give us a call and go in the draw for that we'll run that for um, 15 minutes or half an hour or so um, and um, if you're not a subscriber you can do that at any time. Subscribe to BFM where our Radiothon is coming up from next Monday on this show we actually begin the Radiothon next week so stay tuned for that and we're really asking for your support here to keep alternative media operating we're talking today a little bit about alternative media and particularly with uh, with uh, our special guest Mitch Schultz's experience in producing and creating uh, well let's say transformational media yeah 
And I guess it's been almost a decade now, Mitch, since the release of DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Yeah. It has. It's, it's amazing that it's been that long. It was yeah. 2010 that we came over um, and did a five-city tour here in, in Australia. Was so. that towards the end of the year? It was. Uh, I want to say it was December leading into, well, actually, well, through December and the first part of January. Yeah, because that, yeah. that coincided with Rick Doblin's uh, talk at the Entheogenesis Australis That's right. yeah. conference in Melbourne, which I went to, which was key in the launch of our research organization, PRISM. With PRISM, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Just to, to remind our listeners what PRISM stands for. Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and it was... Had, 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 had to test it just to make sure he's on the board sure today. On yes. So Rick Doblin came and spoke at a conference in Melbourne called Entheogenesis Australis, which is a remarkable international class uh, event that happens from time to time in Melbourne, still going. All credit to the boys uh, and girls behind that. And uh, Rick offered some money at that conference uh, for anyone who was interested in getting some research happening here in Australia. So I volunteered along with a bunch of other people and we eventually launched PRISM in early 2011 as our local non-profit research organization. So, you know, sort of along the lines of, of perhaps, yeah. yeah. And we're just about to start our first uh, official legal psychedelic study in Melbourne pretty mm. soon at St. Vincent's Hospital which is very exciting with psilocybin yeah yeah. it's great to see that that's pushed forward with you guys and you guys have uh, stuck around long enough to make all that happen yeah uh, it's been a long slow road but we're yeah. getting there yeah well Rick Doblin in particular as uh, as the founder of MAPS way back in 84 or something somewhere around there uh, yeah 86 I think or thereabouts yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean years. he's, he's, been, he's yeah. been really on on the one path for such a long time and you could sort of ascribe a lot of success in this area of psychedelic, the new psychedelic revolution to his, his Ab- absolute dedication yeah, to that absolutely, work yeah absolutely absolutely and, and you know he started on that road I think it was in about 86 uh, shortly after MDMA was made illegal in the US and I think it was 2003, if I remember correctly, before he actually got a research study happening. So uh, Rick Strassman did get in earlier. I think it was about 96. 90, 90 to 95, I think that. Was it? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, 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 early 90s. yeah, yeah. So he certainly led the way. And so uh, you mentioned in the break that you screened um, DMT, the Spirit Molecule, at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, which is Alex yeah. and Alison Grace. Yeah, they had just moved up uh, to upstate New York out of Manhattan, and yeah. um, we interviewed them in their Manhattan location back in 2007 mm. so it was it was nice to kind of have it come full circle and then uh, screen there for a small well I say small group I think we had over a couple hundred people show up we the facilities were not made for that at the time but um, yeah and then, and then we came over here and, and went on this five city tour here in Australia yeah, which right. really kind of solidified me being part of this wonderful country <laughs> absolutely yeah and how long from the time that you started shooting to the time of release how long was that yeah so roughly it was a five-year process right. from the time that we we started talking to dr strassman putting together kind of the the nuts and bolts of how we wanted to do this then the interviews starting in 2007 mm-hmm. and then we didn't actually release digitally and into the general public until well particularly in north america until 2011 late 2011 right and, and I know that you shot, what, over 100 hours of, of uh, footage, yeah. which got compressed down to... 1% of, yeah. the, of the 100 hours of footage. Wow. So wow. the uh, post-production process was interesting. It I must learned have been. a lot. Um, yeah. And we interviewed 50 just amazing minds. You know, Dr. Strassman was key in helping us kind of put together the dream team, if you will, of who we were going to interview. Um, and really, once we sat down in New Mexico for the first round of interviews... Um, it became very apparent that this thing was going to be much bigger than just a psychedelic film. Yeah, right. Uh, that, that we were going to be looking and talking to some people that have been 
exploring consciousness in general and mm. and what it what, what reality is in some ways um and dmd just put, played kind of a, a key role in that but um, there was much more to it than just the the psychedelic effects absolutely and then the movie was of course very well received once it was released hey and uh, it got i think picked up initially by warner brothers right yeah warner brothers was the uh, distributor through uh, through gravitas uh-huh. and um we shot right up to the top of the itunes uh Daco an independent list which was great and then uh, had about a seven year run on Netflix yeah and and for a lot of that time it was one of the most downloaded movies right on Netflix I think the first two weeks we've and I have to go back and look at where I got this information but for the first two weeks it was on the Netflix platform it was uh, from what I understand one of the most streamed films on on Mm. the platform in a a way that's quite amazing because we're talking already about a few years ago and so much has already transformed in this space now we're talking about it here on the radio in this way very open today which uh, even five years ago probably we wouldn't be doing very often in very many shows even here um, were you surprised by that level of success of this subject matter at that time you know there was yes and no yeah. <laughs> I knew that it was gonna have um, a strong impact and a connection with people that I that mm. I've seen well from my own experiences um, but it was also having to explain that to Universal and through Netflix to say, look, there's an audience out here that really wants to see this, and it's not just the underground audience, and it has expanded and, and reached so many more people than that. Um, some of our estimates, probably over 60 million people, wow. have, you know, potentially have seen this film. So, do you see that as uh, as an that the time is ripe for this? Is that how you interpret it? Because I know that we sort of we're, we're sort of on the same page. We feel this. We sort of right. know this between ourselves. But is that is that true outside the bubbles of our experience? It would it would appear to be so. I think so. I, yeah. I think uh, even people that are not necessarily in the psychedelic yeah. scene or community um, have responded well to this film and mm-hmm. at least opened up to some ideas um, that may not have been part of their normal day to day. And so I think that's happening more and more. And the amount of people, you know, it's it's interesting just traveling around the traveling around the world, and I'll be in the most random place, sitting in a bar or sitting at a restaurant or some coffee shop, and somehow DMT comes up. And, oh, have you heard about this film? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's it feels great to have that experience, yes. but it, it it shows that I think it's getting out there a lot, and that people beyond again the psychedelic community are, are mm-hmm. really responding to it and, and interested mm-hmm. in the content. Yeah. So. And it's also showing uh, which one of our themes today is the transformational potential for media now because arguably media has been less than willing to uh, to approach subject matters that don't fit the status quo so to speak don't fit the agenda of business the business model of, uh, and so forth don't fit the agenda of, of legal drugs for example and pharmaceutical companies and so on you can talk about a whole lot of stuff here it would seem though that in, in recent years say the last decade or so a lot more media is being produced that is uh, with a focus on one sense or other consciousness raising for want of a better term well in the internet obviously playing a huge role mm. in that and people being able to produce their own content and get it out there um, that we're not having this kind of there's still a lot of the top-down approach, um, but there's a, this grassroots element too, where there are large and large audiences out there that, that want to see this type of media and other media that is about transformation. Yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, the documentary also was riding the wave of the psychedelic renaissance that was happening, and uh, ayahuasca, which has played an enormous role in, in that renaissance, of course, uh, also contains DMT. So, right. you know, there's a there's a parallel thing happening there. And uh, a lot of it, particularly in the ayahuasca um, 
rollout, you know, has been underground uh, because of the legal issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, DMT is not legal uh, either. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet, we I guess we we don't really have a, a solid understanding of how widespread uh, its use has been globally. But the the indications are it's been you know very very influential in the consciousness shift over the last ten years or more. And, and interesting, the, the, the messages and the experiences that people have within those experiences um, tend to push for that, that transformation, seeing the planet in a different light yes. and, and how they want people want to change themselves yeah. um, to, to be able to fit yeah. in with that. Yeah. So. And, and of course, the, the movie has got a tremendous following and your social media presence, I think, has played probably an important role in the whole psychedelic renaissance, um, just bringing people together around the movie, which, which uh, our, our good friend Matt Humble mm-hmm. from San Antonio has done an amazing job of coordinating over the years. Big shout out to Matt Humble. He's done a great job with our social media. He is. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the DMT, the Spirit Molecule Facebook page in particular there. Yeah, and it's it's been great to kind of expand on those ideas and, and not just have it continued focused on the DMT, but what else is happening in that space yeah. and, and how are people coming to this, whether it's psychedelic oriented or if it's meditation or just in general about transformation and what's mm. happening on the planet. Well, what do you see trend-wise when you, when you say that? Because that's really interesting. What, what do you see? Oh, which way do, where do we go? Oh, yeah. Where do we start here? Well, it's a rabbit hole, so you go where you like. Right, you can okay. go down in any way you wish. Well, you know, being an American, let me just pull it back to my yeah. own country. And, and, you know, Stephen asked me about that just a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the media playing such a, a huge role from the top all the way down, right? And, and who's producing the major news cycles um, all the way down to independent media and, and where all those things are converging and, mm-hmm. and how people are gathering, getting their information and how they're understanding it. Um, sometimes people can say it's completely conspiratorial, conspiratorial or if it's going to come from this element. And there's not a true line anymore <laughs> as much as there used to be. Um, and people touch with these ideas or this type of media uh, because of the control mechanisms that were in place before. Well, just having little bits of access, um, it's definitely playing a role in... in at the very least, opening up people's minds to some different ideas um, and helping push that transformation. Just made me think about uh, DMT appearing in, in more mainstream uh, pictures or, yes. or series. And I remember there was a scene in the Sensate oh, yeah. uh, episodes on, on Netflix where they were doing DMT, I think, sort of right up the start of the mm-hmm. of, of that series, yeah. Well, a lot of people see that um, movies, well, many movies actually are influenced by um, some of the producers, writers, directors, uh, and other creatives uh, being involved in this kind of work, perhaps tripping down to South America and right. and, and doing ayahuasca retreats or similar and bringing that that back to um, to their work. Is that do you, do you see that in America? Do you think that's true? I mean, there's a bit of a sort of urban myth, but it's probably pretty likely to be true. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot going on in the Hollywood as well mm. as in tech uh, yeah. with people having experienced these things and then and then bringing it back and putting it into again not just the stories of the media but into our technologies yeah i mean with films like avatar clearly have a resonance right. with this this kind of work in terms of the tribal um, perspective from there yeah there was a definite link to ayahuasca yeah. in, in that movie without a doubt and uh, and of course there's a whole burning man movement you know mm. which has grown uh, very much uh, stimulated by psychedelics i'm sure and very much connected to the uh, it industry Mm-hmm. in the US. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. You are tuned to Bay FM 99.9. It's 9.51 here on Future Sense this morning through till 11 o'clock. We've got this uh, double pass giveaway to um, the Michael Gow 
film of National Theatre, Australian National Theatre Live. It's called Away, Caught in a Storm of Family Secrets. This Wednesday the 14th at 6pm, double pass. If you'd like to call up, if you are a subscriber to BFM, do that. Double six eight zero seven triple nine. be in the draw for that. Uh, a couple of texts came in. We might just deal with one of these right now. Uh, nice little comment. Hi, guys. Uh, couldn't that universal consciousness and the mysterious dark energy be one and the same thing? Absolutely. We, we agree with that. And <laughs> that's kind of the meaning of unitive consciousness is like everything's one thing, right? Very good. Well spotted. Thank you. <laughs> so we're talking to Mitch Schultz here about his experience making DMT, the spirit molecule film, and the, the purpose and meaning and the status of, uh, of where uh, the media is in, as a transformational uh, media for, uh, for consciousness, for uh, our growth, for our evolution on the planet. But uh, particularly since you're in America, uh, you've probably got a fairly good take of what's going on down, uh, down, down home there in the yeah. United States of, wow. What's it like living there? Lots in happening, obviously, and um, <clears throat> it's it's been a little challenging, I have to say. Um, you know, people pushing back in so many different directions, mm. um, and I even hate to go right to left, but it's you know, and everything in between. But it um, it's been a challenge, and now that uh, or not now that, but but the fact that we have guns and these guns are becoming a bigger issue. Um, mm. I think more and more people are feeling targeted, no pun intended in that at all, and, and uh, that it's it's getting quite serious just due to the fact that uh, that guns are so prevalent there. Yeah, after the, the shootings, uh, the one in Texas and, and uh, the other one that happened soon afterwards, I saw a clip of Times Square in New York where there was a, a motorcycle backfire and uh, people just ran, you know, yeah. it was, was quite scary. And, and clearly a lot of people on on edge, yeah. People are on edge, yeah. And, yeah. That's, and that's what I guess I'm seeing more and more of. Mm. It's just that on edge. And in some ways people talk about just getting numb to what's going on, but I, it doesn't feel like the numbness is there. It feels like people are more and more on edge. I mean, just the just the backfire uh, yeah. is enough to set, set, send people running, um, should say a lot. Yeah, yeah, very interesting times. We've been talking most recently on the show about uh, the growing crisis of confidence in government and in our institutions and, and how 2020 is actually shaping up to be a fairly disruptive year. Mm. It's looking like we're in for a, a major uh, financial hiccup of some sort early in the year. And then, of course, we've got the US elections in November right. 2020. And uh, the question hangs over that, you know, how are people going to believe the result? <laughs> Well, and that's that's the tough part right now. A lot of people are just, they don't know where to go. Traditionally, they've had their answers from the mainstream media or the government, and they're questioning all of that across the board. And um, yeah, there's a lot a lot of information out there and a lot to decipher so I mean for those people who are still sort of aligned or try to be or want to be or think they should be aligned to one of the major parties or not uh, the Democrats in in the uh, in the United States seem to be in, in, in incredible disarray with a, a hell of a lot of potential candidates not many of them are going to see through and some of the leading candidates like uh, former Vice President Joe, President Joe Biden proving to be a bit of an idiot and often a bit of uh, yeah, in, in the way that he's expressing himself so how how do you see the Democrats facing off uh, against Trump at this point from inside America? What's what's the tone going on there? Well, you know, the, the Democrats in general have mm. always, you know, shied away from utilizing the anger, you know, that they've that they've kind of had bubbling up. But that has started to shift because of, I think, all the gun issues now. Um, mm. And there was a heated response uh, from a lot of the Democratic 
a lot of the Democratic uh, candidates. Um, what is interesting as well, though, is that the Republicans back in 2016 had 20 plus candidates um, when they were okay. coming this back time. in. And so mm. now a similar thing is happening mm. with the Democrats where they have a whole range of people coming in to. Mm to push back yeah um, and this this is a general trend globally where you're seeing a fragmentation of the major parties mm. as we're sort of evolving beyond this black and white you know right. one, one party versus the other party scenario which we've had for a long time mm. we're seeing a lot more diversity come into politics for various reasons and uh, and the major parties are fragmenting you know along all sorts of different lines one of the interesting things of the other day is that elon musk uh backed andrew yang um a chinese american man running for president okay. and very much aligned with the with the tech industry, um, but has I think a wider range of views than than most of her other candidates. Um, you see, so Elon uh, Musk jumped on board. You, you, you see, aligned with one of the major parties, Andrew. Yeah, he's he's a Democrat. Democrat because you okay, almost well, have to yeah. be one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was it was a big endorsement. Uh, needless right. to say, so interesting. Yeah. What about uh, Marion Williamson, who many would know in the sort of New Age movement? She's a very well respected New Age author, and of course, she wrote that famous piece that uh, Nelson Mandela used in his acceptance speech as president of South Africa back then about uh, what we fear most is our greatness, so to speak, to paraphrase and not our, our weakness and our faults. And she's there and, of course, highly unlikely to get very far. And yet she has got a lot of people in the United States who have give her a lot of time and a lot of energy. Yeah, you know, I don't know much about her mm. uh, personally, but there, she has risen quite a bit. I think mm. Elizabeth Warren has shot up yes. um, more so than, than Bernie Sanders and, yeah. and, with, and with Biden. Uh, Biden seems to be the obvious choice for a lot of people because it's still kind of safe in some regards, but at the same time, he's he's showing some of his cracks, if you will, uh, to say the least. I was most impressed uh, by his recent statement yes. in a, what looked like a campaign speech where he uh, assured everybody that they put truth over facts. Right, right. <laughs> truth over facts. Yeah. Well, it, that's the thing. There's so much going on that, you know, this whole black and white one part two party system is just not cutting it anymore and that's mm -hmm. that's that's what we're getting to um and so those that are expanding out of that and at least finding ways to explore other ideas um i think ultimately are gonna are gonna have the success um because mm -hmm. i don't think biden um can really deliver on on what what he hopes to and what a lot of people hope for him yeah and I, like it's probably still a, a slightly outrageous uh, attitude or, or uh, perspective at the moment, but it looks to me like sometime down the track we're probably going to see a breakup of the United States. Mm. That, that's the way it's shaping up. You know, in along the same lines as the the way the USSR broke up years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, is, do you see that as a possibility? And clearly, you look at a state like California, which is one of the richest countries, so to speak, in the world right. anyway by itself and being like the fifth on one, something like yeah. the fifth largest economy in the world. I think that's that's about right. Yeah, um, in Texas. In Texas also. That is another mm -hmm. large one. But I could see the United States breaking up probably into four or five different yeah. countries almost, almost like an EU mm. um, yeah. that, that had very different backgrounds and value systems. Uh, depending on where where they were, yeah. and that's key, isn't it? That the United States is such an incredible country in this particular way. Three hundred and thirty or so million people there, uh, probably as divided as any nation on the earth in terms of its internal consciousness. You know, right. uh, there are you know packets, pockets of, and major cities and uh, states which represent sort of a whole kind of worldview, take guns for example on this place and then go across the American a completely different view over here and right. 
pretty much applies to many different things now. I'd suggest there's almost more disparate views inside of America than within any other country in the world that I can think of. Yeah, and I think the diversity leads to a lot of that, but it's interesting to look back at just the start of the U.S., see what we came from, what we were fighting against, and now how all that's shaking out again. But I, I could see that there there could be a time when the U.S. breaks up, uh, where those states end up really taking on their state rights, which is a big <laughs> power struggle between the national government and the states, yeah. uh, that that could be an issue. Yeah. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.